If you want to move beyond a vague religious belief in which God remains at a distance from you, if you want to have a felt awareness of his presence in your life and all that you face this week, this is where you must begin. If you feel your need of that, this is exactly the very scripture that you need to hear today. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and that passage of scripture is from Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes where Jesus has said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And uh, Colin, today I think we caught a lot of people's attention because they do want that felt awareness of the presence of Jesus in their lives. Do you know, I think that's a sign of spiritual health. I feel that in my own life there are times where that runs deeper than others and I want it to run deeper more. Mm. You know, I'm very moved by Paul spending his whole life as a missionary suffering incredibly for the advance of the gospel. And then late in his life, he's saying, I want to know Christ. Didn't he know Christ already? Well, there's right. so much more of Christ to know. And there's this, he's hes feeling after more of the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. And that's a sign of spiritual health, a hunger and a thirst to walk with God more deeply. And what we're doing in this series on how to make progress in the Christian life is really charting that path. How do I grow as a Christian? How do I experience more of God's blessing in my life? How do I come to love him and trust him more? Well, you know, I think so often as Christians, we're paddling at the edge of the ocean and there is an ocean of the knowledge of God that's still ahead of us. Let's dive in and discover as much of it as we possibly can this side of heaven. All right. So let's dive right into this message. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, here's Pastor Colin. God makes his home. He dwells. That's the word with the person who is poor in spirit. Heaven is in the humble before the humble are in heaven. So there is a wonderful blessing here today for the person who has come to church and you are feeling overwhelmed by some challenge. Perhaps no one else here knows about it, but you do and God does. And you've been saying to yourself, I don't have what it takes. And you don't know how you're going to move forward from here. You know that what God is calling you to right now is beyond the range of your own talents and your own ability. The circumstances of your life have brought you to the very place where you are what? Poor in spirit. You see that you've not got it. And Jesus Christ himself says, Isaiah 57, 15, I will dwell with you. I won't just come near you in a service and then leave you this week. I will walk with you in this. I will live with you. I will presence myself with the one who is of a lowly and contrite spirit, who knows her need, is aware of his lack. There is such a blessing for the person who came here today and you have felt overwhelmed by temptation. It has probably led you to fail in this last week. And you say, I just don't know what to do with this stuff. It seems like it comes at me in waves. And it feels too much for me. And do you see what is happening? 
in the mercy of God, the very temptations that seem to overwhelm you are bringing you to the place of hope, the place where you are poor in spirit. You're saying, I don't have what it takes to beat this. And Jesus Christ comes to you today and he says, I will dwell with you. 24-7. You don't know when and what's going to come at you this week, but I will walk with you in it. You will not be alone. There's a tremendous blessing here today for the person who has really messed up. Your sin has found you out. And the enemy of your soul who told you that there was no harm in it is now telling you there's no hope because of it. But if your failure should lead you today to a place of genuine humility before God, if your sin should should lead you to the place where instead of arrogance before him, where you're always asserting yourself, there's a humility of spirit that is now birthed by his grace out of this very failure. I tell you, God can use the sin that would have led you down to hell to help you find the path to heaven. That's his grace. Blessed, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Heaven belongs to them. Now, we've looked at the calling. We've looked at the blessing. Let's look at some applications together in this first part of our reflection on this first and marvelous beatitude, blessing of Christ. I want to suggest to you um, four very simple applications that arise, it seems to me, directly from this. The first is this, that people who are poor in spirit give up the idea that God owes them. You know what I mean by that? As God's creatures, we have a duty towards him, but it is oh so easy, especially in our culture, to flip the whole thing on its head, forget that we have a duty to God, and live as if God were the one who has a duty towards us. We get the idea that we can, as it were, write God's job description, tell him what to do, give him our Ten Commandments. This is what we're looking to you for, God, to provide certain blessings for our family to provide a level of income and of health that will support our chosen lifestyle, to insulate us from the sufferings that admittedly are experienced by others in this world. And then because we so easily slide into the idea that we are the ones who are writing the demands and the prescriptions, as it were, for God, woe betide God, we begin to feel, if he does not meet our expectations. My friends, you you, you know how easily all of us can slip into this strange kind of expectation God owes me mentality. But do you see how pride is written all over that? Pride says, I gave him something, and he owes me something bigger and better than I got back. And as long as your heart is there, you are on a path to bitterness, to disappointment, resentment, and it kills blessing. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The person who is poor in spirit says, When I what do I have that I did not receive? I owe God everything, and I have been able to produce for him nothing. And he owes me nothing, and yet he is the one who has given me all things. So people who are poor in spirit, they have this wonderful deliverance. They get off this thing that God owes me better than I had in my past, better than I have in my present, and that God owes me something better in the future to come. And it's a wonderful deliverance to get away from that place because that's a place where you cannot experience the blessing of God because the blessing of God comes not to those who are listing their demands for him, but to the poor in spirit. He dwells with them. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed are the Poor in Spirit, part of our series Momentum. Well, in addition to this being an audio series, Pastor Colin has also written a book by that same title, Momentum, and it is our thank you gift to you as you give a financial gift to support this month. You can find out more or give online right now by coming to our website, openthebible.org, or call us at 877-OPEN-365. That's 877-673-6365 or openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Second, People who are poor in spirit are not afraid to ask. Thomas Watson, who I referred to before and will refer to, I'm sure, many, many times again, he's full of pithy sayings on the Beatitudes. He says, the poor are always begging. The poor are always begging. And he who is poor in spirit will be much in prayer. That's one of the ways in which you know where you're at. People who feel that they have what it takes don't easily come to the place of prayer because what is there to ask for when you have what it takes? It can be true of individuals. It can be true of a church. That's how you feel. That's not going to be the place of experiencing the blessing of God. But the poor are always begging, and he who is poor in spirit will be much in prayer. Those who know their own need will reflect that in an active prayer life. Is there anything in your experience that you would say resembles what could be called an active prayer life? Well, that's one of the registers of where you are in relation to your whole spirit before God. We read earlier a story that Jesus told about two men who prayed, and one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And isn't it interesting that both of them did actually pray? But what Jesus points out is that there was all the difference in the world between their two prayers. And did you notice the difference? It lies in this, that the Pharisee, when he prayed, simply expressed a focus on himself. I thank you that I'm not as other men, God. I thank you that I'm not an adulterer. I I thank you that some of the wretched things that I see in other people's lives are not in mine. 
You look at his prayer in Luke chapter 18, and the striking thing is this. Here is a man who comes to God and never asks for a thing. What was the last thing you asked of God? Never asked a thing. Never asked a thing. Why? Because he was miles from poverty of spirit. And the reality was, although he was standing there in the temple and saying this prayer that could be heard by others, he was miles and miles and miles from God. You could tell because he felt no need to ask. And then Jesus says, over in the corner of the temple, there was a fellow, he didn't even come uh, to the very front, and he didn't raise up his head. His head was down. He was so aware of his own need. He was a tax collector. These guys were were known for their many, many sins and, and for good reason. And, and here is this man, much on his conscience, aware of his need. And he simply says, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus made this conclusion to the story that must have shocked all who heard it at that time and should still shock us today. He says it was this man and not the other who went home justified, blessed, forgiven, at peace with God. Why? Because blessed are the poor in spirit. And then Jesus says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we've talked about using these Beatitudes as a way of measuring ourselves. I, the challenge that comes very directly at this point to us is to, to look at what you would say resembles a prayer life in your own experience and, and say, is there evidence of asking? Is there a spirit of a person who knows his or her own need? or simply a person who believes in God at a distance. Third, and this is very wonderful, and just briefly, people who are poor in spirit are in a position to receive. Not only in a position to ask, which flows directly from this, but in a position to receive. See, people who feel that they have something to offer God are always coming to God with their hands full, Lord, here's what I want to give you. Here's what, here's what I want to offer to you. Here, here's what I want to tell you that I have done. Again, Thomas Watson. How can you receive gold when your hands are full of pebbles? Isn't that good? Here I come before God, my hands full of all these pebbles, of all these little things I've done, and I want to make a big deal of them. And God holds in his hand the gold, but I cannot receive it. Why? Because my hands are already full. So here is the great blessing of the poor in spirit, that not only are they in a position where it is very, very natural for them to ask, but they are also in precisely the position where they are able to receive. That's why in a great old hymn that some of you may know, we sing this line, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. You cannot cling to the cross of Jesus if your hands are full. 
Only those who come empty-handed before God, only those who are poor in spirit, only those who are aware of their own need are able to cling to the cross of Christ. And in this way, the kingdom of heaven is indeed theirs. When you know that you have nothing to offer God, you are in a position to receive everything that he offers to you. And that, of course, is why the blessing of God rests upon the poor in spirit. Heaven is theirs because their hands are open to receive it. Here's the very last thing for today, and it's just this. People who are poor in spirit boast in the cross. People who are poor in spirit They're certainly not going to boast about themselves, but this is what they do. They boast in the cross. And of course, I'm thinking there of Paul's wonderful statement in Galatians and chapter 6 and verse 14. And remember what a brilliant academic, what a multi-talented man Paul was, what a spectacular career he had before his conversion and all that he gave up, this this multi-talented man. And he says, oh, far be it from me that I should ever boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very simply, folks, the more a man or a woman sees in him or herself, the less they will see in Jesus. The more you see in yourself, the less you see in Jesus. You'll sometimes wonder, you know, why people get so enthusiastic about this all. Uh, You see much in yourself, you see little in Jesus. The more you see in Jesus the less you will see in yourself. And that is why when we come to worship, we want to get our minds and our hearts and our thoughts and our affections fixed on Jesus. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and in his resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. And here at the very core, friends, is the distinguishing difference between the hypocrite and the genuine child of God. Here's the distinction between the fake and the true believer. Here's the distinction between the the religious person who is actually a long, long way away from God and the humble penitent with whom God says he will dwell. Here's the difference. People who are far from God make much of themselves. And people who live near to God make much of Christ. People who are far from God are always talking about what they're doing for him. And people who are near to God are always speaking about what he is doing for them. And so the Christian quarterback does not make much of himself, his multi-talents notwithstanding. He makes much of Christ, who has not only made him and redeemed him. The same is true for the high flyer in business, for the brilliant musician, for the technical guru, for the political genius, and for the mega mother. If you walk closely with God, you will make much of Jesus Christ. And that was Isaiah's story. 
He saw the emptiness of his own position before God. And he said, I am a man of unclean lips. And you remember what happened next? There was an angel that took a hot coal from the fire that was on the altar and with tongs brought it over. And in this vision, Isaiah sees the hot coal touching and searing his lips. And the voice from heaven comes to him, wonderful words, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. That's what happened to this man who was poor in spirit. And isn't it fascinating that through these very lips that in this vision were touched by the hot coals from the place of sacrifice, the very altar of God, it was through these very touched and cleansed lips that the Holy Spirit of God was later to give the most compelling and vivid words ever to have been uttered before the cross, speaking of what that atonement was and how it would be accomplished. It was this man, poor in spirit, who said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, it was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. God spoke these words through a man who knew his need and had become poor in spirit. Surely this is the very place that gives birth to a life and to a ministry that is of lasting usefulness to God. People who are poor in spirit make much of the cross. Lord, make me one of these people. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a powerful reminder today of what it means to be poor in spirit. I love that reminder that people who are poor in spirit are in a position to receive from God. Well, if you missed part of today's broadcast or any other broadcast in the series, I want to invite you to come to our website. You can listen online. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Our website address is openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is listener-supported. We're able to be on this station and bring you Pastor Collins' teaching each day because of your generosity. But as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of Pastor Collins' book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes and Colin, you used an analogy to describe the Beatitudes. Tell us about that. Oh, well, if you picture a series of seven rings being suspended from a ceiling and imagine a person swinging on the first ring and then reaching the second and then swinging on the second ring to reach the third. I found that to be a very helpful analogy for the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes tell us not only what it means to be blessed, it tells us how we can pursue the blessing of God. So, for example, one of the Beatitudes tells us that the pure in heart are blessed. Mm -hmm. Well, you read that, blessed are the pure in heart, and you say, how do I get there? And the answer is, in order to get to the sixth beatitude, you've got to swing on the ring of the first and get to the second, to the third, and to the fourth, and that will take you there. 
So, you see, this really answers the most important of questions. How do I grow in the Christian life? And it all begins with grasping hold of the first ring, which is within everybody's reach, because Jesus starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, you begin when you know that you're in the place of not having what it takes and needing to receive from Christ himself what only he can give. Well, we would love to send you a copy of this book. Again, it is called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And it is our thank you gift as you give a gift of financial support this month. You can give online by coming to our website, openthebible.org, or call us at 1-877-OPEN-365. Again, the website is openthebible.org, and our phone number is 1-877-673-6365. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Do you think that God is for everybody? The Bible goes beyond saying that God is not for some people. It says that he is against them. Find out why next time on Open the Bible.